On the first day of Rosh Hashanah, 1972, in a small city in the northern side of Israel, the rabbi of the city, Rabbi Grossman, was praying. It was Rosh Hashanah day. He was praying in the main synagogue. He gets a tap on his shoulder. He turns around. It was the mayor of the city. It was like the sheriff of the city. It was the all-known one. Everybody was afraid of him. He told him, Rabbi, I need to talk to you immediately. They're going into a small room. The rabbi is like asking him. He tells them, you heard, did you hear about the murder last night? The rabbi looks at murder? Who? How should he hear from him? It's Yontem. He tells him, you're the rabbi of the city and you don't know what's going on here? He was just a young rabbi, just, just became the rabbi. He didn't know what, what happened. Migdala Emek was a poor city. In the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s, many Russian immigrants, Russia released many Jews. And the immigrants well, came to Israel. They came all over. Where they sent them? They sent them every city. They sent them, especially to the small, the cities that you need to build up, actually. Right. That Israel built apartment buildings for them, gave them apartments, no apartments, small apartments, but they normal. Whatever it was normal in 1970s in Israel at that time. And they got also free, they, were, uh, they got a, a tax break because they were new immigrants. They could buy a car without tax. In Israel, the tax of the car is 100%, you understand? Right. If it's $25,000 the car, it's $50,000. It's, it's crazy. Then that many of the, it ended up to be that many of the immigrants lived in relatively nice apartments, drove cars. It was beautiful. The problem, it would be great if only the Russian immigrants would be there. The problem was that in Migdala Emek, we were living before that, Moroccan immigrants who came in the 50s. They got on the government nothing. At that time, the government was very poor. They put them in tents, literally in tents. And then when they gave them apartment, was little apartment, a big family stuck into it. And they, and they, were, in, they were still stuck in poverty in the 70s. These two group, this when they saw that the Ashkenazim, the white Jews showed up from, from Russia, got such a good treatment, it created a lot of animosity and anger between the two groups. There was two groups in, in, in Migdala Emek. There was the Moroccans and the Russians. Did you live there? No, I was there in Yeshiva for a few weeks. I was there in 1987 for a few weeks, but not, not at that time. The night of Rosh Hashanah, the city, the party was controlling Migdalaimek, made a, the, the political party, made a, made, made a New Year party on the night of Rosh Hashanah for the Russians. In a big, um, in a big room, in a big hall. Maybe it was a club or whatever it is. And the Russians party there. Another boy from the regulars, from the Moroccan, from the old guys, all the, um, citizens passed by, a 19-year-old boy, he wanted to get it to the party. The guy by the door tells him, this is a party for Russians only. This guy said, the party for Russians only. I'll go in. You don't tell me not to walk in. He walks in. A bunch of Russians like ganged up on him. They wanted to push him out. started a fight. This guy was already with a criminal record. He took a glass bottle, broke it on the edge of the, cha- of the, of the table, and stabbed somebody in his neck, an 18-year-old boy. 
Mishka was his name, Mishka Gaon. The guy was terribly injured, taken to the hospital, he died after a few hours. Terrible. That was terrible. The Russians were in such a shock that in the Jewish state such a thing will happen, that by the war in a shock, he ran away, he sneaked away. He sneaked out and he ran away. A whole night the Russians didn't go to sleep. More and more Russians came to the center of the city and they brought everything they had from home. They were ready to take revenge. Mm-hmm. A whole night they were planning the revenge. And the mayor heard about that. He came to speak to them. But he told the rabbi, I speak Hebrew. They speak Russian and Yiddish. I couldn't understand anything. They couldn't understand me. But I understood one thing, that if I stay there another minute, they right. will hurt me too. Right. He said, tells the Was rabbi. Is could be, I don't know. Um, but he was an Israeli for sure. He, wasn't, he, didn't, he couldn't connect to the Russians in any way, shape, or form. He turns to the rabbi, he tells him, if we, if we don't take control over the situation, we'll be a massacre in the city. Because they are going to take revenge, and full revenge. Mm-hmm. The rabbi didn't wait a second. With his talus on his shoulders, he, takes, he, t- he and the mayor went right away to the, where the, all the Russians were standing down in the, in the center of the city. He comes there, he says, a whole crowd standing, angry, upset, with stuff in their hand. And in the middle st- stands the mother with a picture of her son, so to speak, to show to everybody why she's here. Why they're here. He jumped on some, you know, there's a little higher mm-hmm. step. Platform. Platform before, before they start to get angry with him. And he started to speak to them in Yiddish. He didn't speak Russian, but Yiddish he spoke. He tells them, Eden, Eden, Jews, Jews. A terrible thing happened last night. A Jewish boy was murdered for no reason. We need to call, we need to ask for, call for justice. We cannot, his blood is screaming from the earth. He's, the out, he's crying out from the earth. We cannot allow such a thing. We need to demonstrate. We need to, we need to fight for it. They heard this, and became silent in the, in the place. First of all, they understood what he was speaking in Yiddish. They knew him already from before. And suddenly, he's on their side. Mm-hmm. He says, guys, let's go and demonstrate. You know we're the right place to demonstrate. Today's Rosh Hashanah will demonstrate in the synagogue. Come with me. He jumps off. He turns to the man and says, he tells her in Yiddish, come with me, come with me. She started to walk in the rabbi, that everybody was a big parade of hundreds of people going to the synagogue. Mm-hmm. Suddenly in the synagogue, people standing in the synagogue praying, walking in a whole crowd that didn't look like they were made, they were planned to go to shul. They were not dressed like they were ready to come to shul with all the uh, stuff in their hand. Right. Meanwhile, the cantor who was leading services was a guy who came from America because the rabbi asked him for months in New York. He came to, he came to lead service in Midian. He was volunteering, doing a mitzvah. He asked somebody, like, what's going on? The guy told him, last night, a Russian was murdered and the rabbi is trying to save the next murder. <laughs> this guy heard it. He fainted. <laughs> that in the middle of the soul mess, the chasm fainted right there. They had to put water out there to bring him back to life. Shine. When he controlled this situation, the rabbi jumps up on the bime and started to speak. 
and he's he starting to give all speech. This is a terrible thing happened. We should demand. We, I I will demand for for from the that the government should give him a, a life sentence in prison. He should never get out. And maybe and it may be even worse than that. But we need to know. I I need you on my side. We cannot we cannot we cannot. And it goes on and it's a terrible thing what happened. And how could such a thing happen? Rosh Hashanah, you finally came to a Jewish state that wants you to do it. And he warms up the crowd and he speaks and he speaks. He's an unbelievable charismatic speaker. Then he opens the ark and he says, guys, if anybody is going to lift up his hand and another Jew on Rosh Hashanah, he will not make it this year. Today is the first day of the year of Rosh Hashanah. I'm telling you, in front of the Torah, I'm telling you, he will not make it. And they all plays, and he said that with such power that there was a murmur around the crowd. As he's going on, he hears the sound of a helicopter landing right next to the synagogue. Everybody, like, he stopped. Everybody walked out to see what's going on. It was the head of the Israeli police arrived with another big few um, police uh, chiefs. They all heard, they heard in Jerusalem that it's going to be... uh, This murder is pretty rare in Israel. Especially then, yeah. at the time. And in the, no, they hear there's going to be a, a war. Yeah, a riot. A riot is going to be there. That's what they were afraid. They arrived, you can imagine it. They saw the chief of police, all the Russians surround them, and started to scream and yell and yell. This guy says, listen, I cannot hear all of you. Create a delegation, choose a delegation. We'll go into one of the rooms of the synagogue, and we'll talk. They put together a delegation, they go in, on one side of the table sitting the chief of police with the other uh, generals, on the other side of the table sitting the Russians, the delegation, and Rabbi Gossman is the interpreter. They, they don't speak uh, English and Russian. They complain, and, they say, and the rabbi told them what he's saying. Then he starts to say, you need, listen, guys, you need to understand. The Moroccans are very angry. They feel, they feel second as citizens. You got a better treatment today. Grossman thought to himself, if they hear this, it will be the end of the world. Then these Russians are not ready to hear. They need to hear somebody. He says, you know what the chief of police said? He said that I will make sure that this guy gets, life, uh, gets life, uh, a, sentence, a life sentence in jail. And we will even demand uh, um, uh, the death penalty. We will try to get the death penalty for this boy. Because what he did is a terrible thing. Because he's like... Exactly. Then, and, and they were all, the Russians said, yeah, 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 yeah. They get up, they're happy to hear what they... For the next two days, the rabbi was busy running between the two camps. The Americans were also not happy. You come to kill us, we'll show you. It, it, was, it was the tension from the two. He was not, he didn't go home, he didn't eat, he didn't sleep, he didn't down, he didn't do anything. He was going from one side to the other side, from this group, from this, it's a cleanse. Mm-hmm. And trying to keep it going. He saved the community from a, from, from a riot, from yeah. a massacre, yeah. from a bloodbath. It would be terrible. You know, when we are coming in Kippur, we say we say Yom Kippur after after the Kolnidrei during the Kolnidrei service. Right after we say the paragraph of the Kolnidrei, we say some nice paragraphs. Bring the Marzer, the, the red Marzer down. Not the Russian one. 
No, no, this, yeah. They say here some a very, very few paragraphs, but people don't pay attention. They pay attention to the Kolnidri piece, and they don't pay attention to the, so much attention to, to, to these lines that we say after that. Read it. And may the entire congregation of the children of Israel, as well as the proselyte who dwells among them, be forgiven, for all the people acted unwill unwittingly. We say, we announce, it's a, it's a verse in the book of, the, of uh, Numbers. We tell God, forgive the Jewish people. We are all at unwillingly. We are all here to, for their forgiveness. Then, you continue a quote that Moses said to God when he uh, pleaded on behalf of the Jewish people. Pardon, I beseech you, the wrongdoing of this people, in keeping with the greatness of your kindness, and as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. And there it is stated. And then the congregation says three times what Hashem answered, what God answered Moses. What God answered Moses? I have pardoned in accordance with your words. We say three times, I have pardoned as Salachtikit Varecha, I have pardoned as you asked for. We say three times. The Rebbe once pointed out, and that's how that's basically how the prayer the, the service is ending with Hashem Hiyano. Yom Kippur, mm -hmm. the first Yom Kippur was a day of forgiveness, and since that it's a day of forgiveness. Then the Rebbe once pointed out that the Talmud says that God had forgiven them with a full heart, completely, complete forgiveness. You know, many times people forgive, like, you know, right. forgive, but, don't, but don't, don't forget, God really forgive the Jewish people. The Rebbe always used to say that by the Jewish people, with God, it's measure for measure. Mm -hmm. If you, I want God to forgive me completely, I have to forgive others, forgive. You know, there is so many fights today in, within the Jewish community, divisiveness, divideness between people who are Republicans and the, the, the Democrats, the people who believe in vaccines, the people who don't believe in vaccines, and so many other things. They support Israel and they don't support Israel. But you need to understand Russians, Moroccans, we are all Jews. We don't have to agree with Israel, but we don't have another... We don't have another, another nation, another border. We don't have another country. When we come Yom Kippur to Shul, what it suddenly it dawns on us that we are all one family. And Yom Kippur, we strengthen this connection as one family. And when we strengthen the connection between us, this strengthens the connection between us and God. If I cannot get along with God's kids, I cannot, I'm not getting along with God either. As the, as the Mishnah says, if you want to know who God loves, if other people love him, God loves him. If other people don't love him, God doesn't love him either. When we will forgive other people with, a complete, with our complete heart, God will, will forgive us with a complete heart and give us, and give us a good and sweet ear.